Hello everyone, in this episode we're going to be looking at the next section of Act 1, Scene 1 and Leah's darker purpose. Hello everyone and welcome back to this session. We're going to be talking about the second part of Act 1, Scene 1. So this scene is absolutely packed and to really get a sense of how the themes progress and the characters progress throughout the play, knowledge of this first scene and really detailed knowledge of this first scene is really important. So we left off our last session with Leah's entrance and now Leah is present and he very much quickly asserts his authority using imperatives and using the majestic plural so um, we would call it the royal we so when someone refers to themselves in the plural it's um it's considered to be the majestic plural now that shows us very clearly that he is the king um that he is the person who is in authority and remember um it's always better you know if, if you listen if you're listening to this on the go then uh Hopefully it'll be of some benefit, but in terms of the, some of the detailed language analysis, it is worth maybe listening through to this with uh, a copy of the text in front of you as well. So, you know, the first line being an imperative from Leah, attend the Lords of France and Burgundy Gloucester. Um, and it's interesting that he doesn't really address any of his other attendants. He just addresses Gloucester um, and uh, that kind of very clear and direct order there. So we can see now that there's there's a good relationship uh potentially between them and um it's also kind of interesting to see his character the fact that he doesn't um you know address uh any attendance there's no kind of recognition there now depending on the performance that you see there may be some sort of non-verbal communication between them um but it's just something to bear in mind when you think about the kind of ruler that he is. And that's what we're really talking about today is kingship. Because this play was written at a time of quite um, a lot of social upheaval in uh, in society. So Queen Elizabeth, um, who'd been on the throne for, for a number of years, had uh, was gone. And um, we now had James I, who was looking to unite Scotland and England. And there was, you know, there was a certain amount of uh, friction there. Um, there was also this idea of, of England being in a kind of identity crisis um, because of, during this period of time, monarchs are shifting back and forth between different religions. So from a religious point of view, um, England wasn't quite sure whether it was Protestant, or whether it was Catholic. Um, and uh, then James I comes along. He's trying to, he's trying to kind of unite um, the country and then this play, uh, part of many, um, part of a body of work of many plays that Shakespeare wrote during the 1590s and, and 1600s, where um, he explores what kingship means and the value of kingship, um, he comes along and writes about a king who wishes to split the country. So there's there's certainly kind of um, a political side to what we're reading, and it would have very much struck a chord with the audience uh, at the time alongside that we have the the nature of kingship itself and um, what makes a good king what kind of person makes a good king um, and James I is very much known for having favorites um, being quite extravagant um, and that 
those sorts of themes sort of appear later on uh, in the play as well. So uh, James VI and the I um, was on the throne when Leah was written and performed, and he was very keen on the idea of um, the divine right of kings. So the idea that a king or a queen was, was not sort of um, elected, it wasn't by chance, by biological chance, that someone ended up being on the throne. It was that these people were anointed by God. And this is um, a really important kind of theory to consider in the, um, in the world of King Leah, because by splitting his kingdom and relieving himself of kingly duties, King Leah is actually um, almost rejecting this idea. Because in order to fulfill the idea of the divine right of kings, um, the king or the the monarch has to have two bodies. Um, So there's the body natural, the mortal body, and then the body politic of the kingship. And you can't separate one from the other if you are divinely chosen um, and if you've been chosen by a higher power. You can't choose to remove one from another. But that's exactly what Leah wants to do. He talks about expressing our darker purpose, which is a really significant use of um, the word darker, because a lot of this play is about eyesight, lack of sight. Um, Darker implies an ominous tone as well. And he then talks about shaking all cares and business, to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths. So he wants to give his duties to his daughters, but he still wants to be venerated as this divine king. And that upsets natural order. And Shakespeare quite likes to play with this idea of upsetting natural order because then dire consequences can ensue and it all kind of goes back to that idea of the divine order's being upset, the natural order's being upset. And it is quite unusual behaviour. Most of the time, kings will be killed and then a new monarch takes their place. Um, And kings don't really want to let go of power and yet this is what he wants to do and it's this it's this point where his sense of authority starts to be diminished as well so he says um he says while we unburdened cruel towards death cruel that sense of infancy that sense then if you think about uh, a toddler or even kind of a a pre-toddler who is crawling they are entirely dependent on the adults around them to survive so unintentionally there, he's given us this idea that, that he is entirely dependent on his daughters for his survival. And just like that, his authority has been flipped, turned upside down, and, and he, he is entirely reliant on them. He then uh, juxtaposes that with our son of Cornwall, um, possibly condescending our son um, to assert power. Maybe he realises that his language perhaps implies a diminished authority and he wishes to re-establish it um, and again he says our no less loving son of Albany and this tension and we saw it um, when Gloucester and Kent were talking about uh, the two men as well this tension between Albany and Cornwall um, even though it, it's not it's not explored fully um, the hints of tension between them and, and the competition between them and the conflict between them means that we have that underlying tension of the possibility of some sort of conflict between them or war for ultimate authority and power and the throne. And that is hugely important in thinking about whether Leah's decision to split the kingdom is right or wrong. 
And it's important in terms of the context because James I and the sixth is thinking of and wanting to unite a kingdom rather than divide. So it kind of backs his idea that you that unity um, over division is what is going to um, make the country stable and what is going to reduce the likelihood of these sorts of civil conflicts. Um, and he he uh, he even mentions it himself. So he says. Um, we have this arrow constant will to publish our daughter's several dowers that future strife may be prevented now. So again, hinting at uncertainty. And this is where the love test, um, which we'll talk about in our next episode, this is where the love test is quite interesting because um, the love test could simply be him displaying his uh, his divisions publicly so that they have to be upheld. Um because after death, someone could quite easily turn around and say, no, I, I deserve this bit, I deserve this bit. So doing it publicly before death, it's like almost like a verbal um, declaration of his will. But there are lots of other readings into that. That's just one reading. So here we have that future strife may be prevented now. This idea of splitting the kingdom... Um, he's saying that, okay, if I declare how it's going to be divided now, then then future strife is going to be prevented. So future uncertainty, future conflict is going to be pre- prevented. Whereas actually splitting the kingdom logically is going to promote unrest. Splitting the kingdom is going to encourage conflict. So that, again, shows that, that underlying tension and sense of unease, which is, again, highlighted in the word great rivals in our youngest daughter's love when he talks about France and Burgundy. So even Cordelia, who isn't married and um therefore you know unlike Cornwall and Albany aren't kind of vying for for different areas of the country in the same way she again has the word rivals has competitive language linked to her so Leah here um is going against the natural order so we already have this sense that perhaps things aren't going to go well and we have this, this sense of foreboding. Um, and that there's also that foreshadowing, really, of future conflict. We just don't quite know what form that conflict is going to take, which is quite interesting as well. Leah, as a king, here is shown to be potentially unpredictable. Um, he very much seems to enjoy the sense of grandeur and the sense of pomp and ceremony that he gets um, kind of with his grand entrance and the way that he conducts himself and presents himself. And that's something that is really interesting to look at across multiple productions. So this moment in the scene is something that I would recommend that you look at across multiple productions and just note down how the entrance takes place. Um, Where is Leah? How do people respond to Leah? Um, Because in certain productions he's physically higher and distant from others in other productions he's seen um to be much more kind of in with the crowd and and a, a more like a populist king um the, the daughters uh, sometimes are very formal around him um, and present through formal ceremony whereas other times um especially with cordelia he might even come in uh, come in holding cordelia's hand uh, again presenting here that that she is the favourite because we know that that's not that's not undisputed that's not disputed really. So uh, performance and looking at performance is um, still something that you can mention and talk about in your responses. So here, um, performance staging uh, that is that's going to be really key to how the Leah in the production that you're watching is 
going to be depicted and what kind of king he is and how that then develops throughout the story and what his fall from grace looks like um, really depends on what his initial graceful uh, authoritative position looks like as well. So that's just, again, um, just a couple more notes on uh, Leah's darker purpose. There's lots more that we've gone through in class and lots more context as well. Um, And in our next episode, we'll have a look at the love test. See you then.